0: Go to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, is it? I don't know. Somewhere around there. The book of Numbers. And we're going to look at chapter 13 in the New Living Translation. And so if you're in the New Living Translation, you'll see 12 scouts explore Canaan. And we're going to look into that. Just before uh, we go into some more context. We've been through COVID. Yes, it's horrible. And so there's a period there where I wasn't able to play football. We weren't allowed to train. We had to stay home and... Stay home, yes? Like, do nothing. And so I'm like, man, I'm just hungry to play some football. I'm, um, I want to do some exercise. I don't know, how bad is that? Now, we, we've got some ease restrictions. I can go to footy training. And now, my confession is, oh, man, i got training tonight. But it's crazy how two months ago, I was itching. I'm just like, I want to do some footy training. I wanted to. And then it's so quickly, what was a blessing becomes a burden. And so, and then you have the Victorian Premier saying, who would want to go to South Australia? I'm me, because I can come to church and gather with you and have some fun. And that's, we've got a few, um, uh, what do you call it, farmers around the, the service. So it's Farmer Sunday at One Heart, 10 30 service. But Pastor Rob has declared for 2020, for One Heart Church, a year of victory. We want to live in victory. Another way of saying that, I could say, is we want to live accessing the promises of God we want to live and take footstep into what God has promised for our lives and so today we're going to look at two points on how to walk in God's promises or two keys to access God's promises and live in victory and so some context for what we're about to read here in numbers so the land of Canaan what is Canaan it's in the Middle East and it was what we'd call the promised land so, what's the promised land? If we're familiar with the Bible, the land flowing with milk and honey. That's a fancy way, a Bible way of saying a land overflowing with blessing. The best jobs, the best cropping land. It's flowing and overflowing with blessings. So that's what the land of Canaan is. So that's what we're about to explore here. Then some other things to take note of. So, there's a there's a dude called a dude called Jacob, and the Bible tricks us because he's also called Israel. So, this dude called Jacob. Now, there's there's been some family issues and then now there's a famine. And so because of this, his family locate into Egypt to survive. So now his family's in Egypt. This family starts growing and growing and growing and the next minute, a few centuries later, they've now become a nation. And then the Egyptians go, this once family, now nation of Israelites, we're going to make them our slaves. And so then they enter this period of slavery and bondage. Not, Not a good position to be in. So then these Israelites in slavery. So you know what? We don't want to be slaves. God help us. They cry out to God and God supernaturally does some breakthroughs and releases them from slavery. Now I don't know about you but I still believe God answers prayers today. Pastor Kylie was praying before, we believe COVID-19 could be, it might be in someone's body, but I believe that God can touch that disease, kill it, destroy it, that we people can live in freedom, that that we, if we wanted to travel to Victoria, we could. If they wanted to travel here, that they could. You know what I mean? But I just believe that God still has answered to prayers. When we cry out to God, He will listen. He did it for the Israelites then, and He can do it for us today. So, the Israelites, they find themselves in this in-between space. They're in the middle. So, they were once slaves, God's released them, and but then over here is a promised land. Over here is what we'd say is living in victory. But they're in the middle. They're no longer slaves, but they're not yet in what God has promised them. They're not yet actively living out the promises of God, right? So that's where we find ourselves. The Israelites are in this middle, in-between circumstance. And so for us as Christians, believers or followers of Jesus, we have a promised land, and that's called living in victory. And so just another quick thing. Jacob had 12 sons. And who became the 12 tribes of Israel. And so one person from each of these 12 tribes is selected to embark on a 40-day mission to spy out and scout this promised land in Canaan. So are you ready to read? Numbers chapter 13, 1 to 16. So we'll read it. The Lord now said to Moses, Send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I'm giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men. All the tribal leaders of Israel from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. These were the tribes and the names of their leaders. Sorry guys, this is gonna be interesting. So the tribe from the tribe of Reuben, we had the leader, Shamua, son of Zakur, from the tribe of Simeon, we had Shaphat, son of Hurai, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Jeph Yep, from the tribe of Issachar, Igal, son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun. From the tribe of Benjamin, Paltai, son of Rafu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Sodai, from the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph, we had Gadi, son of Su, Sush, from, from the tribe of Dan, Amil, son of Gemali, from the tribe of Asher, Sethua, son of Michael, from the tribe of Naphtali, now nah- Nabai, son of Zophie, uh, from the tribe of Gad. Gaiul, son of Makeeb. Um Beat that challenge. Send it out through Instagram. Doing it better. What's really frustrating? I've pra- I will. I'll get the Bible app and I'll play that scripture over and over. And I'm, like, I'm reading. Like they're so easy to pronounce. Then you've got to try and read it in public. People. It's like oh. So then, verse sixteen. These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called. Hoshea, son of Nun, by the name of Joshua. And so, let's pray. God, right now, speak to us. May it be clear and cl- have clarity. And God, we just believe ultimately that, you, you, that you're, you're speaking, and we just want to receive it and it be relevant to our lives. We also pray for the toddlers, God, the kids program, One Up, Alison, God. We just pray for all circumstances. May you move, and more importantly, move in our lives right now. Amen. Amen. We all agree. So... Um, for, I'd say for 2020, this has been my favorite passage of scripture. Hard to read, but it's powerful. And hopefully by the end of this, you'll understand why. So I'm going to get some confessions of a Christian. What do we do as Christians? We'll have daily devotions, yes? And so I'll often get my Bible, crack it open, and let God speak to me daily. The confessions of the Christian is, often when I see tables of names like that, or genealogies, that's code for skip. You know, you go, that's a good paragraph, whoop. I read three pages today, but really I skipped three because there's names. No, no, I'm the only one. Okay. Um, so, some further context. So, we see we that normally those names I'll go code or skip, but we, if we actually realize the meaning of those names and what that represents, it's actually powerful and it gives us some keys to living in victory. So, some more context. So, Joseph had a son, So Jacob, sorry, had a son, Joseph, and they got separated for many years, and Jacob presumed that Joseph was dead. But when they reunite, Jacob claims Joseph's sons as his own. Very interesting. And so if we do the math then, so 12 sons, take one, plus two, that's 13. The uh, math. So, so technically, jo- Jacob now has 13 sons because he's sort of removed Joseph and taken on his two sons. So does that, that means there should have been 13 tribes. Mm, interesting the tribe of Levi, yes that is true because it's two half trust but the tribe of levi was not mentioned in that category because their like their portion of land their promise from god was to serve him So every other tribe was allotted land, and that was their promised land. The promised land of the Levites was a privilege to serve God. And so for us today, we've got to get understanding that serving God, when I come to church, oh, we've got two services, I've got to be at the 9 a.m. service. No, no, that's not a have to, that's a get to. Serving God, serving the kingdom of heaven, being used by God, that's a get to, not a have to. So there we go, that's what we learned with that. So if we, for those that are familiar with the Bible, familiar with this story, if we continue to read Numbers chapter 13 and 14, many would be familiar. We see the events of this 40-day mission, not mission, like this mission, the scouting trip, and we see what happens in it. And so we get this report of the promised land. And so all 12 men if we want to call them spies, scouts, leaders, said the same thing. They see the land and go, this is good. My sister Lailiana, she would say, this land is mingin. It is truly flowing with milk and honey. It's truly overflowing with the, the blessings of God. Everything about it, it's a place to be. All 12 had that. They saw it and they said, this is a wonderful land. That was their, what they noticed. Yet, only two of them thought they could claim it. Only Joshua and Caleb thought, you know what? This is a good land and it's going to be my land. The rest of them didn't. They had a negative report. They had, the land is good, but. So the land is good, but they are stronger than we are. The land is good, but the people are huge. They're giants. We're just grasshoppers. The land is good, but the the towns are fortified. Uh, we, We can't possibly break in. The land is good, but they had all these but excuses of why they couldn't claim it. Couldn't live in that promise. The, the land is good, but why does God, like he got us out of slavery, taught to be killed in battle, wasn't there enough graves in Egypt? They had these terrible butts that they needed to get rid of. Yet the two, Caleb and Joshua, they said, you know what? These people may be stronger, but my God is bigger. He will bring us safely into the land and give it, and he'll give it to us. They may have fortified towns. That's no protection compared to having the Lord with us. There's nothing to be afraid of. That was their confession. And so I can kind of picture it like this. So today we have TV, and I don't know about you, sometimes people put on sunrise in the morning or whatever there is, or you might be at home, turn on the TV. And I would look at Channel 7, Channel 9, Channel 10, whatever the channels are, ABC, and they all share the same story. So it's just a different reporter, yeah? So similar to this, if if they if these guys are living today, you they'll be turning on the TV, TV channel... Ephraim. TV channel Reuben. TV channel Simeon. And they're all reporting the same thing. They're reporting this event of this scouting trip. They're they're reporting, oh, the land is good. Wow. It, It is overflowing with blessing. There's milk and honey everywhere. Cows and bees buzzing around. It's everywhere. But yet, interestingly enough, 10 channels had this yes, but, and two channels had a positive response. They said, you know what? No, no, let's claim it. Let's go now. And so, unfortunately, the, the people of Israel on their TV channel were watching the negative channels. They they switched off. Oh, Caleb! Oh, this is too positive. Next channel, skip. Sorry, Ephraim. Oh, the other channel was um, uh, Judah. Yep, skip that channel. We don't want that. We want to listen to this negative report. So sad, because then sadly, because of the negative report, they were watching on their TV. They have a negative response, and then they say, you know what, we're gonna rebel from God in fear and not live in that promise and victory God has for me. And then that 40 day mission turned into a 40 days or 40 years, sorry, of slavery of well not slavery. Say that again. The 40 day mission resulted in 40 years of wandering. And so I've heard many messages from the scriptures, and they talk about this question who was right, the ten or the two? And that's a question they often ponder us, like what, who was right, the ten or the two? And I think Proverbs 18, 21 gives us some, some background to help us with this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And so as Christians, we believe that our words, our vocabulary, our communication is actually carries power. It's not just for a chat, it's actually a prophecy, it's actually creating something. We believe that God says, in the beginning stars, boom, there was stars. He said, let there be an earth, boom, there was earth. He said, let there be flies. He wanted flies, I don't know. But he spoke it and there it was. He said, let there be fish and there was fish. He said, let there be crops and there was crops. Because his words, first of all, create before they communicate. And we've got to understand that that's the same for our lives. Our words create before we communicate. So Proverbs gives us the answer. All All 12 men that saw the land were correct. For ten, their report, their words brought death. And for two, their words brought success, brought life and brought victory. And so both were right. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what are you prophesying over your life? We, we could say, I could never buy a home, or no, no, I can't buy this house, or I, I could never pass this test, no, 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 I can't pass this test, and we've got to be prophesying over our lives, and I'm not just saying talk positive, but we've got to understand that our words carry weight. We must watch our confession, and we need to be, have a deliberate declaration. Yeah. So i got a story. So I used to live in the Adelaide Hills in Mount Barker, and so there was a, a big Oh, not big I guess just a general train track at the front of our house and towards the right of our house there was heap of farmland and so we'd get our dogs off and just walk along the train tracks so we'd be walking along me and my dad just walking along and then I'd do my gymnastics on the train track you know trying to stay on it being all cool whatever and so we'd be going on these great journeys and we'll just have like look, talk whatever let the dogs chase some rabbits or something and then dad would often say, for, and this in just primary school, whatever. Dad would often say, you know what, Josh? When this land here becomes houses, we're going to move. And then you know, and it, it would be, and then another six months again doing the train track, Josh. And six, like when this houses become, when sorry, then when this farmland becomes houses, Josh, we're going to move. And you wouldn't believe it. With five years down the track, whatever the time frame was, that block of land started getting sold, gets subdivided into houses. And six months later, I'm living in Port Lincoln. Because Dad prophesied over his life. Now, a lot of other things, it's crazy how God works, put pieces together. But he didn't think, oh, I'm going to go move to Port Lincoln to be a pastor. But he was prophesying, you know what, I don't want to live in the middle of suburbia. I want to live near some nice country land. And he prophesied over his life. His confession actually got him to where we are now. So it's crazy. And we've got to understand that your words speak life. I I know a bad example of this one as well, but I know a pastor that, they were getting towards retirement, they should have retired, and people were saying, you know what, you've got to look at a replacement pastor. You should actually look at handing the baton on so that there'll be a healthy transition. And the confession of that pastor was, you know what, I'm going to leave this church in a body bag. And sadly, that's what happened. He didn't hand the church on, and he died, and he left that church in a, in a coffin. And we don't want to have that kind of and that was only a few years ago. But we don't want to have that kind of conviction. We want to understand that our words carry life, our words carry power, and what are you confessing over your circumstance? We want to be intentional with what you say. Yeah. I preached this a while ago about my conviction of saying not too bad. I've got an example for this. So I, I, just, I can't say it anymore. So if you were to say to me, hey, Josh, how is your job? Oh, not too bad. Normal response is yes? Yeah. Well, let's look at my job. Do I get paid? Yes. Well, that's good. <laughs> yes? Okay, let's look at nothing. Okay, at my job, I get plenty of hours. Is that good? Yes. So, if my job is good, why would I measure on the bad scale? If my job is good, why would I use bad as my reference of my job? Now, that's just my conviction. I can't say it's not too bad anymore because you know what? No, no. It's good. I'm getting paid. I'm getting plenty of hours. My job is good. And so, um, we want to have a life where our, our words, are uh, uh, being used effectively. And so uh, another thing I said in the first service, um, my mum would say to me, like, I get freaked out when it comes to naming kids. And so, like, I'm thinking, like, I don't know what I want to name my kid because I understand that that word has power over their life. And my mum would like, well, Josh, worry about getting a girlfriend first. But we've got to understand that our words carry power and it prophesies into things. And so that's how important this is. Yeah. And so um, the thing, so we got the two... And we got the 10. So what separated them? And I believe it's these two words: convenience or dependence. For ten, God was just about convenience. For two, their God was their dependence. And so what is God to you? Is God just your convenience or is God your dependence? I don't want to have a convenient God. I want a God that I depend on. Like for me, I'm like, I don't just tithe when it's convenient. I depend on God, so that's the first thing that comes out of my bank account, because I'm dependent on Him. I truly believe I'm more blessed with 90% than I am with 100%, because I depend on God's blessing on my life. Um, When it comes to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, I I don't just, oh Jesus, when it's convenient, I'll pray. No, I I am dependent on Jesus. I need Him in my life. I, I when it's, I don't just speak in tongues when it's convenient. I'm dependent on the Holy Ghost in my life. And so I, I use that language, I pray in tongues that I'm dependent on God's power, the Holy Ghost, in my life. And so we see for the ten, God was a God of convenience, but for the two, Caleb and Joshua, God is their dependence. And so if we look back in your Bibles to that, that table there of the tribes and their leaders, um, as I said before I would normally read those tables and go oh, skip next section but we actually miss some really awesome things from that and so we see there in that that table that says Caleb was from the tribe of Judah and Joshua was from the tribe of Ephraim and so when we know the context and the naming of these tribes there's no doubting why we see that they lived in victory we can see how that 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 they had a dependence that caused them to access the promises of God in their life. So, point number one, if you're taking notes, Caleb. Point number one, Caleb. So, we're going to look at the book of Genesis, chapter 29, verses 31 to 35, and we meet a lady called Leah. And so then, it's a bit of an awkward situation. Leah has got a sister called Rachel, and they're both married to the same dude, Jacob. Jacob, who we spoke about before. So then, Um, it's even sadder because Leah is the firstborn, but the second choice. So she was born first, but she's the second choice. She's uglier, she's older, and she's unloved by her husband. That is not the position we want for any of you, amen? But then there's Rachel, younger, beautiful, and the desired wife. Now we've understood that, let's read it. Genesis 29, 31 to 35. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, He enabled her to have children, but Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, The Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon, for she said, The Lord heard that I was unloved, and He has given me another son. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. And he was named Levi. For she said, Surely this time my husband will feel the affection for me, since I have given him three sons. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She named him Judah, for she said, Now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. So we see there that Leah has three sons and she thinks the purpose of her sons is to get love for her husband. She thinks, you know what, my son, obviously the first son gets a bigger inheritance. Um, Sons are all that matter in these times. She thinks, you know what, I'm just pumping out sons and my husband is going to learn to value me for what I can do. But then when it comes to it, so three sons later, she's still in the same boat. Ugly, unloved, but with sons, right? That's That's where Leah's at. Then it comes to the fourth son, and she has this revelation. She gets this download from heaven where she goes, you know what, These my sons aren't a thing to get value from my husband. They're actually a gift from God. My sons are actually a gift from heaven, and I'm going to thank him for them. So Judah means praise. Judah means, you know what, what I've got in my hands right now, this is a blessing from God. Wherever I find myself, this is actually a gift from heaven. And we got to then... Um, so. When we look at this end, so Caleb is from the tribe of Judah. Caleb is from the tribe of praise. So, why does Caleb have a positive report of the promised land? Well, he's from the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise, the tribe that says that um, whatever we find ourselves, wherever we see, this is a gift from God. No wonder Caleb's looking around and going, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see this chair. I see this microphone. I see this stand. Thank you, Jesus. He sees it as a gift because he's from the tribe of praise. He's from the tribe that says, thank you, God, for what you've given me. And so we've got to p- apply that to our life. Thank you, God, for my job. Thank you, God, for my feet. Thank you, God, for these shoes that cover my feet. Thank you, God, for, for oh, I've got to put my shoes on this morning. Well, thank God i got feet to put shoes on, eh? But we've got to have the understanding. When we have that attitude of praise, we will live in victory. And we'll see it Um and so I refuse to let the enemy make God's blessings in my life be a reason not to be thankful. And so for 10, they saw the issues, but two said, you know what, there's issues there, but I thank God for the blessing, not the burden in this environment. That's why in Psalms 118, verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And that verse isn't saying ignore your issues, there's never going to be challenges. But it's saying we have a dependence on God that despite what bad may happen, there's gifts from God and we're going to praise him for it because that's how we step into victory. So point one, Caleb is from Judah, which means praise. And so to access God's promise and to live in victory, we need to praise. We've got to learn how to be thankful for what God has given us. Um, Music team, you can come and join me. Point number two, Joshua. So, uh, Genesis chapter 41, um, and so Joshua's from the tribe of Ephraim. Chapter, Genesis chapter 41, we're going to look at verse 50 to 52. So, before we looked at Leah and we saw that she had a, a sister called Rachel who wasn't able to have kids. But she did have some miracle sons. So, then her first miracle son was Joseph. And so, then Joseph has some sons and we're going to read what it says about their sons here. So, the two sons were born to Joseph and his wife. Joseph named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family. Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my grief. And so, as I mentioned earlier, Joseph and Jacob get reunited, but then the um and so then the older man, Jacob, and so then the older man Jacob, he's on his deathbed as as we get old. And he's wanting to bless each and every one of his kids before he passes away. So if we go down to flip a few chapters to Genesis chapter 48, and we'll read verses 9 to 19. Joseph told him, his father, These are the sons God has given me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, Bring them close to me so I can bless them. Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him, and Jacob Kissed and embraced them. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I have—I never thought I would see your face again, but now God has let me see your children too. So Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees and he bowed with his face to the ground. Then he positioned the boys in front of Jacob. With his right hand, he directed Ephraim toward Jacob's. With his right hand, he directed Ephraim toward Jacob's left hand and with his left hand he put Manasseh at Jacob's right hand that's confusing but it makes sense if you see it but Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boy's heads he put his right hand on the head of Ephraim the second son though he was a younger boy and his left hand on the head of Manasseh though he was the firstborn skip down to verse 17 but Joseph was upset when he saw his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head so Joseph lifted it up to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head knowing my father he said this one is the firstborn put your right hand on his head but the, his father refused i know my son i know he replied Manasseh will also become a great people But his younger brother will become an even greater. And his descendants will become a multitude of nations. So we see here, this is the opposite of Leah Leah and Rachel. That with Ephraim and Manasseh, Ephraim is a second by birth, but first by choice. And so what does Manasseh, the oldest son, mean? It means like... Unoffendability. So, so that's a great thing to have. We want to be unoffendable. We want to forget the hurts that people have for us. And we want to be able to live in forgiveness. And you know what, God? I've been able to let go of the bad things that happened in my life. But then Joseph's second son Manasseh goes, you know what? I've taken a step further. No, I'm not just forgiving. I'm not just unoffendable. But I'm actually here to be fruitful. I'm actually here to make a difference in the world I live in. And so if we're here to be fruitful in the land, another way we can say fruitful is Prosperity. We've got to understand that we are called to be and have prosperity in the land. And so what um, Jacob was declaring over those two sons was going, you know what, Um, yes, it's good to be forgiving. Yes, it's good to be unoffendable, but it's better to be fruitful. It's actually, that's going to be greater. First step is to be forgiving. But the second step, which will far outweigh, is saying, you know what, I wasn't just forgiving, but I'm actually here to do something in this life. And so joshua was from the tribe of ephraim joshua is from the tribe of fruitfulness and prosperity so why does joshua have a positive report of the promised land again he's from the tribe of ephraim the tribe of fruitfulness and prosperity the tribe that in their very name says we are here to prosper we are here to be fruitful so when i read that those spot that that table there in numbers there's no coincidence to me to see why the two that had the positive report did, because they're from the tribe of praise and the tribe of fruitfulness. But that's there in their DNA. That's in their very name. My name is Fruitful. I'm from the tribe of Fruitful. Let's be fruitful, hey? And so step one, Caleb was praised. Thank you God for this gift that you've given me. Step two, Joshua prosperity. This isn't just a gift. I'm here to use it to be fruitful and let God be in my life. And we have that response when we're dependent on God. And so we, we can go, well, this is in my job. There's better workers than me. There, um, how could I ever go to a new level? How could I ever, um, the, I'm, I'm way back down here in the line. But we got to understand that God is no God. I'm here to prosper. Wherever I put my feet, it doesn't matter who, what's around me. I believe that God can elevate me to where I can go. And it's not dependent on worldly circumstances. Yeah, there may be fortified cities. Yeah, there may be things that in the natural don't make sense. But when we trust God, He can elevate us to places where we could go not on our own naturally. So Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, we're all familiar with that. Stay and be a disciple. Now, if we read that... It, it, It doesn't say that it says go and make disciples. Because we're called to be fruitful in the land. We're called to prosper. The church isn't just meant to go, I stay in acute service, sing some songs. No, no, we're called to step out, go and make disciples. We gotta do something. We gotta be Nike church. Do something. So and then another another part of the Bible, Jesus tells a parable of the talents, and so there's three dudes, one gets a bit of money. One gets a little bit less money and the third gets not much money. And what happens? The two that get more money do something with it. And what does God say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus is interested in us being fruitful, interested in us prospering and doing something. We want to be people that live in victory and we got to do something. So point two, Joshua is from Ephraim, the tribe of fruitfulness and prosperity. To access God's promise and live in victory. We need to produce fruit. To take hold of God's promises and live in victory, we need to prosper. I believe that in this place. Why don't we, um, oh, I'm getting a bit over my head. I encourage you to do some homework this week. Read the book of Numbers, chapters 13 to 14. And when you see the names of Caleb and Joshua, insert fruitfulness or prosperity and praise. Insert praise and prosperity. Because you'll see it. Well, when I have the eyes of praise, I'm grateful. When I have the eyes of prosperity, I understand there is going to be challenges ahead, but God is bigger than the challenge and he's going to get me through it. So, do that homework. So number one, to access God's promise and live in victory, each day, each moment, it's a time to praise. Caleb claimed the land as his, and when we praise like Caleb, we don't see the burden, we see the blessing. Point two, to access God's promise and live in victory. Each day, each moment, wherever you find yourself, It's time to do something. It's time to take action and be fruitful. Joshua claimed the land as his and said, you know what? This isn't just my job. I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to prosper in this job. This isn't just my football club. I'm going to prosper in this football club. This isn't just my school. This is the place for me to prosper. It's in the kingdom of God reached in my school. And so when we understand that God is for us with praise and prosperity, we will see different, we will speak different because we're living in victory.